welcome to Be Ready. We are preparing our hearts and our minds for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Earlier in the year, we talked about what it means to really leave everything behind that he's asking us to leave in order that we might follow him. Like Peter and John, when they left their fishing boats and their nets. And then we talked about how as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, our goal is to learn from him, not just learn information, but become like him in every way. And in that, it's very important to listen to him and obey him. Then we talked about how a huge key in listening to him, his voice and obeying him, is the context of scripture and understanding what the original audiences understood when they read the scripture or when they heard it read to them. Then after that, we talked about Peter, one of the first disciples, and how he made mistakes and he even denied Jesus in his darkest hour, but then how Jesus restored him and he became a great leader in the church. Then most recently, we've been talking about the book of First Peter in chapter 1. We looked at verses 1 through 9, which talks about how he'd been chosen as to belong to Christ, to be holy and sanctified. And how we've been given this great salvation that we've been born into, been born again by the Spirit of God. So today we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 21. And if you have your Bibles, please follow along. We're going to start with reading actually, to, so we have the context and the parts that come came before it. Um, we're going to look at the whole chapter. So starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that, is per that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated, indicating excuse me, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you 
by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Wow, God's word is so beautiful and true. There's so much that could be said here, but we're going to focus on some points, some highlights that we're looking at today. So Craig Keener, who wrote a commentary on the background of the New Testament, it's an InterVarsity Press Bible background commentary. And in there, he points out that in, the, in this chapter, in verse 3 and verse 17, there is this theme of the Father and us as his children. So it, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. And there in 17, it says, If you call on him as Father. So let's keep that in mind in this chapter. It is this beautiful understanding that we are children with our Father in heaven. In verses 10 through 12, we didn't look at those last time, but it describes such a beautiful salvation that the prophets who had prophesied long ago, they were looking and inquiring carefully. They're searching carefully what person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicating when he predicted about Christ's suffering and, and the glory that would follow. They were actually serving not themselves, but us. It, it was talking to the, the audience in First Peter, but we also have had the good news preached to us. And we also have, who have believed, have that great salvation. That we also have this, which it says at the end of the verse, angels long to look into. They long to look into this, this, this salvation that is so marvelous, so wonderful that God has wrought for us in Christ. Looking now at verse 13, it says, preparing your minds for action. And literally, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. Craig Keener says in his commentary, quote, men were, wore long robes and would tuck them into their belt. 
and thus gird up their loins so they could move more freely and quickly, unquote. So that gives us a picture of how Peter is telling us to get our minds ready for action, how to prepare by, like, as if a person is going to get ready to, to be able to move, move quickly on his feet. So we need to do the same in our minds. And it says being sober-minded. That word for mind, nephos, means, quote, properly to be sober, not drunk, not intoxicated, and figuratively free from illusion, from the intoxicated influences of sin, like the impact of selfish passion, greed, etc., unquote. And so that gives us more of an idea of like what it's getting at, of actually not being just not influenced by alcohol, but not being influenced in our minds by any type of sin. That's whether it's a selfish idea that we have that's that's pulling us in a, a certain event, a certain direction, or it's greed, or it could be anything, lust, something that we want that is against God's law, that is um, wars against our spirit, that's of the of the flesh, and so we are to be free of any of that stuff. We are to be sober minded, have our mind free of any of those influences, and so when we are in that place. It says, what do we do instead of having those kind of influences on us? We have our hope set fully on the grace that he brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have our hope set on his grace, which in the future will be realized in full, in fullness. And now we get to experience a great degree of his grace here in our lives today. And his grace is what saved us, but his grace is also our source of strength it's uh, as we've talked about in the podcast. Um, I think it was last year about different things that His grace does. That His grace empowers us. His grace is uh, we are sanctified by grace. Everything is is uh, given freely by His grace. And so, uh, looking on here in verse fourteen, as obedient children, there's that theme of being a child again. And what are we supposed to do as children? We're not supposed to have those those evil desires, those um, sinful desires. But it says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is a very special word. And I'm going to quote from a Bible doctrine book that I had during college, written by a man named Millard Erickson. And he does very well at helping us understand what this word means. So, quote, there are two basic aspects to God's holiness. The first is his uniqueness. He is totally separate from all creation, from all of creation, excuse me. In Exodus 15, 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? The Hebrew word for holy, kadosh, means marked off, or withdrawn from common, ordinary use. The verb from which it, it is derived suggests to cut off or to separate, unquote. So God is above and different from us. In his nature, he is unique from all his creatures, from us as his creatures. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present, just to name a few. And we don't possess these qualities that God does, but we can possess other qualities that God does. In, in ways of being morally pure and upright 
And in those ways, we are called to be unique and different from the world in its ways. So 2 Corinthians 6, uh, starting at verse 16 through uh, chapter 7, verse 1, talks about this holy calling, how we are called to be that way. So listen to what it says. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Excuse me, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That's a beautiful description of what it looks like to be holy, to be set apart from sin, so we might be separated unto God for special work. And 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 through 22, expounds even more on that, what that looks like to be set apart from sin unto God for the good works that he has for us. So listen to this, 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, or another translation says ignoble, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. A key ingredient in walking in holiness is what comes next in the passage here in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says in verse 17, And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Conduct yourselves with fear. The fear of the Lord, it says in, in Proverbs 8.13, is hatred of evil. And in Isaiah 8.13, it says, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall regard as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. That's in the, the New Revised Standard Version. The Lord of Heaven's armies, that means the, the Lord of hosts, is the, means the Lord of Heaven's armies. He is the one we are to be in fear of. And this keeps us from sin because we know that sin has terrible consequences. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's what he saved us from. He saved us out of that domain of darkness, of the domain of sin and death, into the domain of light and the domain of Christ, the kingdom of Christ. And so it's important that we know it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God, like it says in, in I think it's Hebrews. Uh, excuse me, I think it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. But he is like a father to us, going back to that motif of a father. And so he doesn't want to be um, an angry judge to us. Think about your father. Think about, if you didn't have a good father, think of a good father. A good father wants what's best for his kids. He wants to love them like my friend mentor does. He he wants to he when his kids were little he wanted to cuddle with them on the couch and 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 play with them and and, and uh, show them love. But 
when kids disobey, when they do what's wrong, they don't listen to their parents, then the father needs to punish so that the child will listen, so they grow up and they know right from wrong and have good character. And so there is a healthy balance here of keeping the fear of the Lord, keeping the fear of him that he is awesome and holy and powerful, and that keeps us from going to go into sin. And moreover, when we are in that place, walking in holiness, we can enjoy him as a father who loves us. And we can enjoy walking with him as his children. Going on from here, it talks about a little farther down. It's very important to remember how we were redeemed. It says in verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And there is another thing that motivates us to walk in holiness is that we were purchased by a very precious, very valuable, beyond words, the blood of Christ. Jesus' very life paid for our ransom. He purchased us with his own blood. It says in Revelation, he purchased us for it with his own blood. So let us walk in holiness also in gratitude for what he did for us. We can see in verse 22, the result for our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So when we walk in that holiness, that results in loving one another well from a pure heart without having mixed motives, but loving with a godly purity. Wow. How beautiful this salvation. We've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And how in that place of, of being saved, of walking with Christ, then we are to live a holy life, the holy life in the fear of the Lord, and loving our brothers and sisters well, knowing that we were purchased with the blood of Christ, and we have that hope of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, it's so good to be with you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace and may you come to know him more and more through his word as you walk with him talking with him and listening to him every day